0: All right. Let's welcome Pastor Aaron as he comes and shares the word this morning. All right. How we doing? Good. We um we were in Texas last week and uh missed being with you guys and um the great country of Texas. And uh we we uh, we missed being in Northwest weather. We were throwing a football outside with shorts on, looking through a window, seeing a Christmas tree. It did not feel appropriate, uh, so it felt good to come home, get sweatshirts on, uh, long jackets, and, um, but we did what all uh, Texas is known for. We went to Waco to see Magnolia. Hallelujah. Uh, I did not go because my wife dragged me. I went because I wanted to go, uh, because I love Chip. And I want to be like Chip and Joanna Gaines. And uh, so I felt like I got a little of them when I went. I took some of their anointing, took some of their home improvement ability. So beware. Uh, I might be buying a chainsaw. I might be buying a table saw. uh, But if I do, just be praying for me. Um, Let's hope that some of that spilled off onto me. Onto me. So uh, grab your Bibles. Turn them to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, this morning I'm going to speak to you uh, on the title of whose responsibility is it? Turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and ask them, is it your responsibility? And let's try this again. Turn to your neighbor, if you don't have a neighbor, find one and say, whose responsibility is it? Is it mine or is it yours? I get scared to ask my wife that question. Some of you men are like, there's no way I'm asking my wife that question, whose responsibility is it? In Luke chapter 10, I want this to kind of be the foundation of the message this morning. And I want, this morning I want to be speaking very practically to you. Does that work for people this morning? Great. Are we going to be alive this morning? Yeah? Has everybody drank too much eggnog already? No? Eggnog is gross. It's eggs. You're drinking eggs. Don't do it. It's disgusting. That's why I don't drink eggs, so I have energy, okay? We're going to be alive and awake, because I'm going to get very practical this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says this, the harvest is plentiful. Say the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What is Jesus talking about in this passage here? He's talking about souls. He's talking about the lost. He's talking about people in the world are ready to receive the answer that you and I possess inside of us. That the world is ready to receive the antidote that you've received for your own problems. See, you and I are called to be the light of the world. My Bible does not say we are called to be the light of the church. We are called to be the light of the world world. It's very easy to be in this environment here to live for Jesus, to be okay with people knowing that we love Jesus. But we're not called to be the light of the church. We're called to be the light of the world. And Jesus is saying here is that the world is waiting for the answer that you have. It's waiting for the peace that you possess. It's waiting for the joy that you have. It's waiting for the freedom that you've experienced. And it's waiting for you to actually shine and do something about it. The problem is, is that too often we don't take responsibility for that calling, that the harvest is ready. People are ready to receive the answer, but none of us are ready to go give it. And this morning, I want to talk about taking responsibility for what God has called us to do in every area in our lives. Anybody here have children? Anybody remember when their first child was born? Right? Right? Like, I remember people telling me, Aaron, when your first child is born, it was, Israel is seven now. And when your first child is born, it's gonna be like fireworks. It's gonna be like this euphoric moment where you've never experienced any, like like the angels are gonna be singing behind you and it's gonna be this, this moment that you'll live in infamy forever. I don't remember the moment my child was born. I don't remember it because I didn't experience any fireworks. Like I was there in the waiting room and everybody was like like preparing me for that moment. When he came out and the doctor handed me, I was like, I don't know what to do with this child. He looks like an alien. Can you like he needs to get cooked a little bit more in the oven? And I just gotta give him to his mom. I'm like, I can't actually meet his needs, so I just gave him to his mom and I'm just like cheering around like you're doing great, but I don't actually remember the moment. Like I never experienced the fireworks In the moment, probably about five or six months in, when my son actually recognized me, that's when the fireworks went off. And I remember coming home one day and Israel was there and, you know, doing the whole bobblehead thing that babies do. And he saw me and it was like he noticed that I came into the room. That was the moment. That was the moment when I finally had the hallelujah chorus singing behind me. The fireworks went off and it was the euphoric moment. But it wasn't in the delivery room. And so when we brought Israel home from the hospital, we brought him home. We had the little bassinet next to the bed, right? Everybody know what a bassinet is, right? It's the thing that you hit when you get out of bed because you forgot to move it. It's that thing. And uh, we set it, set it on my wife's side, and, uh, and uh, we put Israel in there. Now, my wife and I, were very light sleepers. And uh, so a, a little infant likes to make noises and grunts and sounds. And so we didn't sleep. Like, and then you hear the, the rhythm of the breathing, and all of a sudden, like, it, it stops for about 15 seconds, and you think your child died, and so you jump out of bed because you're like, is he breathing? Check, because you just, you hear everything, and so for the sake of our sanity, we kicked him out of our room like day three. We're like, you can't, We're like, we love you, Israel, but for the sake of your parents' survival, you've got to go to your room. So I'm not exaggerating. Day three, we moved him into his room and turned the baby monitor on and said, if God wants you to live, you're going to live. We're just going to believe that Jesus brought you into this world. He'll sustain you in this world. Get out of our room. Like, that's our space. And we kind of maintained that with every child. Like, I think when Kingsley, our youngest, one and a half right now, when she came home from the hospital, she didn't even spend a night in our room. Like, we just, hey, there's your room. Go figure it out. Like, and we'll turn the baby monitor on, and it worked. It, it, it was amazing. We slept. Some of you need to take that. Like, kick him out of your room, get some sleep. And so, over the course of our children's growing up, they, they obviously were in their own bed, and uh, they went into the big kid bed, and eventually they would wake up in the middle of the night and come into our room. Right, any parents know what I'm talking about? Like your kids are like, oh hey, I woke up at 2 a.m., I'll go wake up my parents at 2 a.m. Well, they decided that was the fun thing to do almost every morning at 2 a.m. to climb into mom and dad's bed. Who here has never slept with a two-year-old before? Imagine sleeping with a kangaroo. They will punch you and kick you all night. Like you, you cannot sleep with a two-year-old. Y'all awake this morning? Y'all awake, Right. And and I can remember there became a moment where it was cute for about a day. Oh, isn't this awesome? Israel, Charlie, sleeping with us so great. And then we're like, this isn't going to continue. So we ended up, we literally made a bed on either side of our beds on the floor. And we instructed our children, if you come in our room, you can lay down on the floor, but you won't crawl in our bed. Like, that's our space. We got to sleep. And so they'd come in, and I would wake up with Israel holding. He would grab my hand out of the covers and hold it on the ground next to my bed. And I'd wake up with a dead arm because he's holding it on the ground. Like, we just trained our children. Like, you come into mom and dad's bed, and uh, you're going to go on the ground. Like, we love you. We love you. You have everything you could want except my bed. But when I wake up, you can climb in. But if I'm sleeping, just just lay on the ground. Y'all like, y'all, you're so mean here. No, we're smart. We survived, we thrived during while our children were young. Some of y'all need to take that. And so as our kids begin to grow up and develop and mature, something began to happen in me where a child would cry in the middle of the night. And uh, let's say Kingsley's one and a half now, so she'd, she'd cry in the middle of the night. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't hear it anymore. Like I just kind of somehow didn't hear her crying because I knew that Tash, my wife, would hear Kingsley crying and it wasn't that I had verbalized my lack of awareness or that I would stop caring because I cared that they were crying like I wanted to help them but for some reason I knew that if they cried Tash would hear them so I literally stopped hearing them like Charlie, at one point, I remember she was super sick. She came and she threw up on her bed. She came into our room, turned the light on, crying to my wife. My wife is consoling, cleans her up in our bathroom, gets her ready to go back in. I didn't hear any of it. I slept through the whole thing. I woke up the next morning. Tasha's like, can you believe what happened? I'm like, no, what? She didn't sleep for like two hours. I didn't even hear it. Like, without realizing it, I put all of the weight and responsibility of handling our children in the middle of the night to my wife. Like, we never had this conversation. I just knew that if she was there, she would take responsibility for our children. Now, I want them to be cleaned up if they throw up. I want them to go to the bathroom, and if they are crying or have a bad dream, I want to embrace them, but I just knew that, that she would. But see, the funny thing is, is when my wife isn't there, somehow I know, and my antennas go up, and I hear them. So my wife was in Cambodia for 10 days earlier, uh, actually later in November, and I heard when our children cried. Like, I didn't somehow possess the responsibility all of a sudden, I just knew my wife is there, I need to be aware if my children cried. It's like, if she was gone, somehow I'm attentive to my children's needs, but as soon as she comes back, As soon as he came back from Cambodia, all of a sudden, I stopped listening again. No verbalized communication. I just know I don't need to pay attention anymore. I will sleep. You will take care of this. And I feel like this is how many of us in the church are when it comes to everything in life. Y'all, real quiet this morning. Either that was a real good story and you're feeling convicted right now, or you didn't follow anything that I said. Let's go with the first one. Oftentimes, we're in a place where we haven't verbalized a deferral of responsibility, but for some reason, we've turned off awareness in our hearts. We've turned off awareness. We've become numb to the needs around us, and we've simply lost awareness of what's going on. People will say, I've heard them say many times, I just haven't, you know, I haven't seen somebody to pray for today. Like, have you been walking around with your eyes closed? Like, just walk to go in the grocery store. You'll see people with a cane. You'll see somebody with tubes in their nose. You'll see somebody that looks like they're sick. That's an indication. Like, you don't need much more than that. Or there'll be an opportunity to help in an area in the church to to do a Christmas gift giveaway, like what we have coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's like pulling teeth to get people to volunteer. Like, you going to be Santa Claus for a few hours. I don't know what more you could enjoy than being Santa Claus for a few hours and not have to put on a jumpsuit. Like, because we intrinsically think that somebody else will take the responsibility Somebody else will do it. I don't need to do it. And so what we've done is we've, without realizing it, become numb to needs around us, become numb to needs in our marriage. We've become numb to needs with our kids. We've become numb to needs in the church. And we'll say things like, yeah, I really want all that to happen. I really want this to get better. But we won't actually recognize our role. We won't recognize our part to play in the process. I'm preaching better than what you're responding, but that's okay, I'm just gonna keep rolling with it. I wanna give you four reasons why we don't take responsibility, four reasons why, okay? The first reason is this, we don't take responsibility because we aren't aware. Now, I never went to Bible college, so this morning I've got 18 points for you almost. I'm making up for all those years. I haven't used points in a message. They're all getting made today. So if you don't normally take notes, get out your phone, get out a pen and pad, because today I believe that you're going to receive some practical lessons in the Word of God of how to take responsibility in your life. And I want you to leave to be able to review so when God brings it back to your attention, you can look back at your notes and you can say, Here are ways I can improve in taking responsibility in my life. So grab out something to take notes with. Number one, why we don't take responsibility is because we aren't aware. Ignorance is bliss, my friend. So nice. Ignorance is amazing. You wanna know who ignorance benefits? Nobody. Nobody actually benefits from your ignorance. Nobody actually benefits from you sticking your head in the sand. And trust me, you get sand in your mouth, it doesn't taste good either. No one benefits, not even you, from ignorance. And oftentimes we play the game where we just choose to not be aware, but too often by us not taking responsibility, it produces irritation in our spouse. It produces irritation in our children. How many times have our kids been facing something we've been too busy to notice? We've been ignorant because we chose to not pay attention to what was happening in their life. How many times have we been in a place in our workplace and we become ignorant of a, pl- of a way that we could excel or do better and we don't even notice that somebody has to bring it to our attention because we're choosing to be ignorant. Ignorance helps no one. And so when people say, I'm just ignorant of our political system, I'm like, bro, that is not the dumbest thing you could say. People are like, I'm just ignorant of what's going on in our school systems. Are you kidding me? There's value there. So number two, why we don't take responsibility is because we don't value something. We don't value it because it's not a priority. I want my car to last as long as I possibly can. Anybody else? Great, three of you. Okay, the rest of you, your cars will tow them after church. I want my car to last as long as I possibly can. However, if I don't change my oil, and maintain my car, it won't last. And so I may say I value my car, but you will look at me and say, because you aren't taking responsibility with your car and maintaining it, it is evidence that you don't value your car. Let's look at your marriage for a moment. If you don't maintain your marriage, if you don't go to the mechanic for your marriage, To say, let's have somebody inspect my marriage and see if it could get better. Let's have our oil get changed a little bit. Hallelujah. Let's have somebody come in and inspect the way I'm operating in my marriage. It's highly likely that it's an indicator that you don't actually value the success and the growth of your marriage. Now, I know you want to have a happy marriage. But what you value, you will take responsibility to maintain and improve. So we've got to not put our head in the sand and just say, oh, everything's fine. But we've got to recognize that I've got to actually maintain and improve. And by taking responsibility, it shows that we have value. Number three, we, we don't take responsibility when we think someone else will do it. When we think someone else will do it. James 4, verse 17 says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin." Think about that for a moment. Whoever knows that they ought to do something and you don't do it, it's a sin. That's the word of God. We like to make being a Christian like this flowery experience, like it's just easy. Trust me, the word of God makes it very clear. If you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, that is a sin, okay? How often does an opportunity present itself to you And you're like, you know what, I feel like maybe I should do it, but I'm just, I think think other people will take care of that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to forget about it. If you know you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, it's a sin. I should say it a hundred times so we get it ingrained in our head. If you know you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, it's a sin. How many times have you been in a grocery store, at Walmart, at Safeway, getting dinner, and you feel like God's leading you to do something, pray for someone, talk to someone, you don't do it. How many times have you been in a place like this and there's an opportunity to serve a city, opportunity to love people, opportunity to encourage somebody, and you don't do it? I want to be faithful every time the Lord asks me to do something. I don't want to hesitate. There's a cost of hesitation in life. We we know that in business. We know that to be true in business. We know that to be true in education, right? You hesitate in education, there's a cost. You hesitate in business with profitability and opportunity, there's a cost. But for some reason, we think in life, Hesitation, there's no cost. There's a cost in your hesitation of obedience. Number four, it's because you don't believe in yourself. Why we don't take responsibility? Because we don't believe in ourselves. My son Israel, uh, uh, this was earlier this week. He came to my wife and I, and he was like, Dad, I I want to tell you guys a story. And he was talking about how a kid in his class cut his hair and his ears stick out a little bit, and all of his friends were calling him an elf like I love children. And so Israel's telling us this and we're like, "Bro, what did you do about it?" And he was almost like in, like shocked and embarrassed that he should have done something about it. And we're like, "Well, did you tell them to stop?" And he's like, "Well, no, cuz I feel like they would have laughed at me." And so we we'll begin to tell him, Israel, "You have a voice and you have a responsibility to defend your friend." And if anybody begins to badmouth your friend, you need to stand up and recognize that you've got, you've got power and authority to combat that and actually go to your friend and say don't listen to them and encourage him and build him up. So Friday he comes home from school and he's like, guess what? They called him an elf again. Well, what did you do? I told them to knock it off. I went to my friend and I stood up for him. He actually began to believe in himself. And when he believed in himself, he began to take responsibility around him. Too often we don't believe in ourselves, so we discredit ourselves before an opportunity even arises. We discredit ourselves from taking responsibility in something because we feel like, well, I can't succeed anyways. Why would somebody want what I have? And so we immediately project failure. We immediately project, uh, you know, resistance. And we don't believe in who God actually has created us to be. See, this is what we've broken down responsibility to, silent prayers and distant love. Silent prayers and distant love, and we've we've assumed that that is what we are. That's how we are succeeding as a child of God. Silent prayers and distant love. Let me say it again: silent prayers and distant love. Okay. Now I was just at TD Jakes Church. Does anybody know TD Jakes? He's the biggest black preacher known to man. My hero, I started listening to him when I was about 12 or 13, changed my life. He's probably my favorite preacher in the world. Let me tell you something, there is no silent prayers and distant love when it comes to T.D. Jakes. And because he's lived that life, he's leaving a legacy behind him. When we were at his church, we went there, they had about a 30 minute praise break. You all can't get through 30 minutes of worship. He had 30 minutes of a praise break in his message. Are we like awake this morning? Like somebody slap your neighbor and say, take responsibility and open your mouth and be excited this morning. Slap your neighbor. Slap it. Take responsibility. Do it. Man, y'all like just need to wake up. Woo. The eggnog's settling in. So this, this is what we say on a regular basis. Of course I want my neighbor to be saved. Of course I do. I don't want my neighbor to go to hell. But well, when was the last time you actually did something about it? When was the last time you took responsibility and actually went over to him and said, can I tell you about Jesus? Of course, I want to go to a church that believes in outreach and evangelism. I would never go to a church that didn't believe in it. But I don't want to do it. And in fact, I've never gone. But if they didn't do it, I wouldn't go there. That's the reason why I came to this church, actually, because this church believes in doing evangelism. Really? When was the last time you did it? It's pulling teeth to get people to sign up, oftentimes, to do an outreach. But we're all like, that's the reason why we love our church, is because we do outreaches. It's the same 12 people, all taking responsibility. And we say things like, of course, I want my marriage to get better. But the reason why it's not is because he or she won't change. And I'm just gonna, uh, you know, accept the way things are and not take responsibility for what I could do differently. And of course, of course I wanna know my Bible better. But it's because my pastor doesn't give me more things to read and he doesn't teach it to me better on a Sunday morning. That's why I don't know better. And of course, I wanna know Jesus more, but it's because he doesn't reveal himself to me and that's why I don't know him more. And it's be, Of course, it's because it's, I wanna have all these things improve in my life, but it's because I don't take responsibility. That's why nothing actually changes. That's why nothing changes is because you don't take responsibility. We're so good at blaming other people. We're so good at saying it's your job. Let me tell you something this morning. Let me say this as loud as I possibly can. Oftentimes, the issues in your life, the lack in your life, the problems in your life are because of you. Because of you. Don't blame anybody else because of you. The problem is, is we hate hearing that. The problem is, as we hear that, we immediately get defensive. We immediately get offended. How dare, you don't know my situation. I don't know your situation. But I've met with enough people over time. I've known myself. And oftentimes when I'm facing a problem in my life, I'm the one who is the creator of the problem. I'm also the one that can stop the problem. A problem is a problem because I call it a problem. Oftentimes we like to point fingers at everybody else and won't acknowledge that it could be us. We're in a marriage and we think that we're experiencing problems and we believe that it's all because of our spouse. If my spouse would just change, it would fix everything. Let me tell you something, you start first and then maybe your spouse will get with the program. We all look at God and saying the reason why I'm not used by God is because he hasn't chosen me, really? I think we're all chosen, and we just need to take responsibility for the anointing on our life and do something about it. Well, our children won't just, you know, they won't do this, and they won't stay committed, and and all they want to do is be on their phones. Well, you know what? Take them away. Take responsibility as a parent. Take the phone away, and then they won't be on it. Like we defer. We defer. We blame, we point fingers. I'm speaking really practically and intense this morning. I'm sorry if you're offended. The good news is this, is that Jonathan's going to come up in a little bit, Pastor Jonathan. He'll make it all nice, and he'll smile at you, and it'll be great. We blame people. Galatians 6. Galatians 6 says this. Each of you take responsibility. Man, it's in the Bible. It's awesome. Take responsibility for doing the creative best you can do with your life. I love that it says creative best. You don't want to know why? Because you got a brain. Well, I just, I don't know what to do. I just don't know how to improve this. I'm just at a loss. No, God gave you a brain. He gave you a mind to be creative on how to take responsibility and solve whatever, whatever problem is in front of you. He has given it to you. The answers are inside of you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others. Let me say this again. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God. You're ignoring the needs of others, you're ignoring God. Harvest a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. You want to know why your life looks like weeds? It might be because that's what you've been planting. I love you. I do. I love you. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not trying to be me- mean or harsh this morning. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop, eternal life. See, so often... We think that we're only the harvesters in our life. I'm just receiving whatever God's doing in my life. I'm just, rec- I'm just, th- I'm receiving his, his plan and his purpose. And so when it's God's timing, that's when it's gonna happen. What have we done? We've completely negated all responsibility on ourselves. Now in truth, the tr- what you're saying is true. In God's timing, it will happen. But what we've done without realizing it is we've been in the bed with your wife and your wife answers the kids and you don't even hear them crying anymore. Remember the story? That's what we've done. And we've totally removed all responsibility from us because it's oh, it's all God's doing. I don't gotta do anything. I just sit here and wait. No, God has given you a brain. He's given you ability. He's given you creative ways to solve problems in your life. He's given you creative ways to come and find a solution in your marriage. He's given you creative ways to die to yourself. Take responsibility. Responsibility is yours. No one else is around you. It's yours. I want to talk about a few areas that we need to take responsibility in. Y'all, anybody learning something this morning? Good. Number one, take responsibility in your family. Develop as a parent. Develop in your marriage. Right? We talked about this already briefly. See, from the beginning of time, right? This has been this has been an issue. It wasn't me, Lord. It was my wife, right? We are the best at blaming others in our marriage. We're like pros. There was a study that was done with a bunch of business people and they asked all these people who thinks they're in the top 5% in their industry? Who thinks they're in the top 5%? 50% of people thought they were in the top 5%. Now mathematically speaking, that doesn't work. But see, the problem is is we've got so many people who think they're the best, they don't think they need to improve. And what they found out was the actual 5% who were in the top never thought they were the top 5%. Because they created a lifestyle of humility and recognizing they always had room for improvement. You want to know how you will be your best is you always stay humble and understand you've never made it. You're never as good as you think you are. You aren't. You're not as as good of a spouse as you think you are. You're not as good as a father or a mother as you think you are. Now, I understand on the flip side, there can be discouragement, there can feel unqualification, but I'm speaking to those in here who don't do anything to improve themselves. I'm speaking to people in here who don't take responsibility. You're not as good as you think you are. Develop and grow, take responsibility. We go through marriage counseling, premarital counseling, before marriage. Trust me, I needed it every day for the first three years of my marriage. And then after every child was born, I needed it again. When I went to business school, I got a bachelor's in business. I started a business out of school. As soon as I graduated, I started a business. I learned nothing in four years of college to prepare me for starting a business. I didn't learn it. When I finally started the business, that's when I needed to continue to get education. I needed to continue to learn. We've got to develop, so what I do with my wife is at least once a year I'll go to her and I'll say, babe, I want you to begin to think about ways that I could improve as a husband. How could I get better? And then when she comes back to me, I'm not defensive, I'm not offended, I'm listening, and I'm willing to learn. It begins with humility. How do you start taking responsibility? Humble yourself. You're probably not in the 5%. And those who are, are already humble. They're already learning and growing on a regular basis. Isn't this just uplifting and encouraging this morning? Just feel great about myself. I wrote this feeling really insecure about everything I was doing in life, so I know exactly how you're feeling. Number two, take responsibility in your relationship with the Lord. It is not your pastor's job. It is not your pastor's job, it is not my job to develop your relationship with the Lord. Listen very clearly, it is not my job to develop your relationship with the Lord. It is far too important for you to pass that off to me. It is far too important for you to expect to come on one time a week And that that be your sustenance for the rest of the week. If you ate one time a week in the natural, you would die. But for some reason, we feel like if my pastor isn't teaching me enough and feeding me enough, it's his fault. No, take responsibility for your relationship with the Lord. James 4, 8, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. Whose responsibility is it first? Yours. God's always drawing near. He's always waiting there. And oftentimes we're doing the same thing. Well, I'm just waiting for God. No, you draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Number 3, take responsibility in your finances. Deuteronomy 8:18, 8, "But remember the Lord, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. Your employer Cannot create your value. What we have done in America is we have resigned to the the thinking that says I am worth what my employer is willing to pay me. We need to have people. We need to be people that understand that we can create wealth. Which means what my employer pays me is simply what he's paying me for my time. But I can find other ways to make money. I can think outside the box. You know the Bible actually talks about having multiple streams of income in Ecclesiastes? Because the Word of God recognizes, God recognizes that many times people are in a situation where they've got to look outside of simply what an employer will value their time for and produce wealth. We're so good at blaming God and the devil for all of our financial problems, but sometimes it's us. I'm in debt all the time because I need things and I want things. We don't budget. We don't take responsibility for our finances. We don't save Taking responsibility with your money is one of the biggest issues for a lot of retirees today, right? They didn't save and all of a sudden they're 60, 65, 70, they got nothing to retire on. So we understand the principle of responsibility very well. Take responsibility when you're young, you save, you invest, you plan, so that when you get time to retire, right? Number four, take responsibility in community. Take responsibility in community. Proverbs 18:1: Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolation will kill you. You want to know how you won't ever grow. You want to know how you won't start taking responsibility was when you isolate yourself and you think you got it all figured out. You need community. But this is what we say. Well, no one's inviting me. no one's asking me to come over. Really? Why don't you do it? Why don't you take responsibility? and invite somebody. Why don't you take responsibility and pursue somebody? Be a community creator. Don't just be a community receiver. Create community. Well, they won't ever respond to me. That's okay, go find someone else who will. That conversation I have all the time. Well, I keep trying to reach out to somebody. Well, who is it? Well, it's one person. They never call me back. Then call someone else. We all need friends. We all need community. Take responsibility to create yours. Number five, take responsibility for what God has called you to do. Isaiah 61, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the spirit of the Lord is on me. It's on you. Because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent you to heal the brokenhearted. He sent you to proclaim the good news to the captives. He's done it to you. Take responsibility for that. Matthew 10, verse 7. Matthew 10 verse 7 says this, As you go, as you go, not as I go, as you go, as we all go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, now freely give. Take responsibility. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't ignore it. Don't let ignorance come in. This is what we're called to do. Well, I'm just, I don't have the personality for it. It's just for those people who are really confident. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says that if, only if you go to Bible college and you study and you're very flamboyant. Just you guys. It's everybody. Everybody. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Cleanse the leper. Take responsibility for the calling on your life. I want to give you four ways to begin to take responsibility four ways I believe that many of you need to leave today and you need to begin to implement ways to take responsibility in your life that you've been in situations where things haven't been good you've been in a marriage that hasn't been good there's been issues with children there's been a workplace thing and you haven't been taking responsibility you've been ignoring you've been deferring you've been excusing yourself These are some ways that you can begin to implement responsibility in your life. Number one is make a plan. Very practical, make a plan, right? We know this, those who fail to plan, plan to fail, right? But how many of us create a plan? We're really good at describing a goal. We're really terrible at making a plan to get there. All of us will stand up and say, I wanna do this. I wanna pray for the sick. Oh, that's great, you said that last year. Make a plan to do it. Make a plan. If you don't know how to make a plan, come and talk to me, and I'm really good at helping you make a plan and keeping you accountable. Make a plan and implement it. In Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 5, it says, he who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. When you're sleeping, when you should be taking responsibility, the word of God says that is a disgraceful son. Take responsibility when it's time. Take responsibility by making a plan. So when it's your moment, when God has called you to step up, you're ready. Number two, value what you've been given. Value what you've been given. Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You guys remember the little boy who had a lunch and fed 10,000 plus people, right? 5,000 men, but then there were the children and the women. You guys remember that story, right? He had a Jewish happy meal, right? And somehow that became sustenance for thousands and thousands of people. In his hands, that was a lunch. Giving it to the Lord multiplies it. When we see what we possess, it looks like very little. But when we give it to the Lord, all of a sudden he can multiply it. Moses stands before God and says, God, I can't do this. I can't lead the people of Israel. I, I, don't, I, I stutter. How can you ask me to be mouthpiece? I, I need help. And he says, look at, look at what's in your hand. It's a staff. It's all you need. You don't need training. Just take your staff. See, we've so undervalued the characteristics that we have the abilities we have, the giftings we have. How many of us, if we're being honest, at times we'd stand up and say, I don't have any giftings to really help anybody. Like, we say that. But each one of you here possesses unique attributes to be able to advance the kingdom of God. Each one of you possesses characteristics to improve your marriage. Each one of you possesses the ability to improve your parenting, your relationships, to improve in your workplace. Value what you've been given. Begins with humility first. And in humility, when you come before the Lord, he begins to remind you of what he's given you. Number three, change your priorities. James 4, 17. See, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. We read this already. Your priorities are needed changed. Some of you need to cancel television. Some of you need to, I mean, I get this thing on my phone that tells me how much screen time I have. And it frightens me at times. Now, thankfully, some of it's my children, right? But the average person watches like, I don't know, how many hours of television? Five hours a day, five hours a day. Like, find me a benefit for that and I'll be good with that. Five hours a day. Change your priorities. Some of you need to make a priority to actually help people, right? Some of you need to walk out of this auditorium and immediately sign up for a Christmas gift giveaway. You need to sign up to begin to serve a city. You need to sign up to love people. Some of you need to actually make it a priority when you're out on the town, when you're out grocery shopping or at the bank to make it a priority to love people, to encourage people. It's because it's not a priority. That's why you don't do it. Your priorities need to change. Number four, last one, stop looking at other people and start looking right at yourself. Stop looking at other people and start looking at yourself. You want to know the number one problem of your problems? It's you. Plain and simple. Take responsibility. Guys, I want you to know, I understand every situation is different. And if you're here this morning and someone has wronged you, someone has hurt you, someone has done something to you and there was nothing you could do about it, I understand that there are unique situations. But for the mass of people, for the masses of people, it's because they're looking at other people to take the responsibility and they're not looking at themselves and for most of us in this room if we're honest we're always looking at somebody else to do it and we're not looking at ourselves i want to be someone that says god choose me every time here i am send me whatever it is i will say yes to the leading of the holy spirit in romans 14 10 verse 12 it says this for we will all stand before the judgment seat of god so each of us will then give an account of himself to god every single one of you when you die you will stand before the lord the judgment seat not the celebration seat the judgment seat and you will give an account for how you lived your life how you took responsibility in areas that you were supposed to take responsibility in how did you do it did you ignore it Did you stick your head in your sand did you plead ignorance take responsibility why don't you stand with me last verse colossians 1 28 through 29 He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is why I speak a message like this, because we want everyone, we want all of us to be fully mature in Christ, taking responsibility for every area in our life. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Strenuously contend you can't be lazy and strenuously contend you can't be ignorant and strenuously contend i run with everything i got i'm not slowing down i don't got time for that i got a world that needs hope i got a wife that needs love i got children that need parenting i've got relationships that need to be fulfilled i've got i've got obligations in life i've got a calling on my life and it's time i take responsibility for it and stop deferring it to others around me. And you may say, well, Aaron, that sounds really hard. Like, God wants me to do, you know, put a lot of focus on my job. He wants me to put a lot of focus on my hobbies. In my Bible, Matthew six thirty three says this, seek first. There is no debate. There's no balance in scripture when it comes to priorities. There's one priority. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then he'll add all of these things to you. Well, what about my job? Seek first, and then he'll add it to you. What about my family? Seek first, and then he'll add it to you. Seek first. Take responsibility. For what you've been given this morning if you're here and you feel like man god's been speaking to you about areas in your life that you need to become responsible for that you need to actually stick your head out of the sand lift it up and say okay i'm on mission i just want you to do this i just want you to raise your hands for a moment and i want to pray for you if you're here today and you're saying i need to actually wake up not be lazy in these areas and i need to get on mission to get on point I just want to pray for you, and I believe that the Lord, as I'm praying, He's going to begin to quicken ideas. He's going to begin to give you strategies. He's going to begin to open up concepts. He's going to begin to encourage you and strengthen you. He's going to begin to reveal areas in your life that you've ignored and forgotten. So, father right now we just ask that you would begin to show us areas in our lives that we become ignorant of areas in our lives that we have not taken responsibility because we've been too scared because we haven't believed in ourselves because we haven't we have we thought somebody else would take responsibility father begin to reveal those areas to us right now and father we just ask for conviction god just blow a spirit of conviction into this place that they wouldn't be able to live with themselves that we can't live with ourselves again by deferring responsibility, God, that we would rise up and say, Father, I will no longer ignore the calling on my life, that in our marriages, Father, that we would stop looking to our spouse, we would stop blaming them, we would recognize the pain that they may be, and we'd recognize the hurt that they may be, and recognize that maybe we're the ones that are the cause of it, we would look at our children, we would see things that maybe they're going through, we become aware in this moment We look in our job. God, how can we take more responsibility in our workplace? How can we be the best worker? So everything we do, we do is unto the Lord. God, help us be people that take responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you that you are part of a church and a community here where there is no shortage of ways to take responsibility but we can't take it for you. It requires you to do something about it. It requires you to take a step forward, to sign up, to be involved, to build relationship, to build community, to walk in the calling God has given you, to take responsibility and do something about it. Come on, it's a good word.